0: Today's scripture reading is Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning church family. Happy first Sunday of the Lenten season. I hope you are well this morning. I have a question for you today. Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? She has a testimony. And a good one at that. Do you see her? Most of her life, she is probably unseen and unheard. But today, everyone in the crowd can see her. The ruler or president of the synagogue can see her. And so does Jesus. Verse 10 says, while he was teaching In the synagogue on the Sabbath, he saw this woman. Jesus was not too involved with his teaching and resting on this particular occasion to miss the opportunity to see this woman. When he looked, what did he see? When he looked, what did he see? Verse eleven, it says, "And behold, there was a woman who had a who had had a spirit for eighteen years. Either she was well known for having this. There's a wide range of what this disabling spirit could mean, but what is clear in context is that." Satan, verse 16, had something to do with it. She was at least tormented by one of his minions, whether she was demon-possessed or not. We do not fully know. But we do know that she was bent over and could not fully straighten herself up because of it. The spiritual had manifested over her body. Whether it was her own sin that opened the door or not she was not she was bound and not free not a hope in the world to stand straight 18 years wondering if she could ever be free of this body of death So when Jesus sees her what does he do with what he sees verses 12 through 13 says when Jesus saw her he called her over and immediately she was made straight. Excuse me. She called her over and said to her, "Woman, you are freed from your disability." And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. First, what he does is he sees her, and then he calls her over. She shuffles along with her disability she's been managing to have for eighteen years. But when Jesus calls, listen to this, she answers. She answers. And she experiences something that is very familiar to us. Right, church? The love of Jesus Christ compelling him to say, your infirmities have been healed. You are free from your disability. But he did not say, just say something He laid his hands on her. He touched her. The meaning is debated as to why he decided to touch her in this particular situation. No, this is not some kind of weird how to cast out demons on YouTube or something like that. It's not one of those moments. The main point is this, that immediately, as soon as he touched her, her bones started shaking, and stuff inside her body started realigning. And maybe, like when you see those like professional chiropractors, and they start popping things, and, and bones started popping, and she felt something in her bones, muscles, and nerves. And she stood up, and she couldn't help but start praising God. Can you imagine? This scenario, she started praising, praising. Maybe she started praising in some ways that maybe might have made some of y'all feel uncomfortable in here. She might have went Pentecostal up in here or something like that. Do you see this woman? It is impossible to not see her in this scenario, right? Well, actually, maybe in fact... It is if you're looking in the wrong place. My friends, the ruler who sees this miraculous healing of the woman is seeing something else. What does he see? What he sees is a man who was a lawbreaker. He saw someone breaking the Holy Sabbath. He saw someone who was not holy for doing this fantastic healing on the Sabbath. Surely this is an outrage, he says. An abomination, he says. He was indignant, the text says, with Jesus. With Jesus, indignant. So he says in his sovereign wisdom, there are six days in which work ought to be done, quoting Exodus 28-11 through all you know the commandments he says come on those days and be healed not the Sabbath don't do that on the Sabbath speaking for him and his homies funnily enough he was so concerned with this rule he attacks Jesus who is Lord of the Sabbath the law maker and he does it in a cowardly way Like, he doesn't even address Jesus. Like, if you have confrontation with me, and I start doing something, I want you to speak to me. But he starts speaking to the crowd. Doesn't even address Jesus. But because he's not looking in the right place, he loses sight of this woman. Which means that he lost sight of the main thing. The main thing is that Sabbath points us, and I'm going to say this twice because I want you to get this because this is some of the main crux of this right here. The main thing is that Sabbath points us to the spiritual significance of the goodness of God's creation and the eschatological hope of new creation. I'm going to say it one more time so you get it. Here we go. The main thing is that Sabbath points us to the spiritual significance of the goodness of God's creation and the eschatological hope of new creation. His, his adversaries were seen, but yet they were blind. They were seen, but yet blind. Or at least chose to see What they wanted to see. As Jesus, the Lord, as Luke comments, confronts them in their pretending. Jesus goes on to say, you hypocrites. You play actors. You say one thing and do another. But Jesus loves them. Jesus starts appealing to their distorted view in a few ways. I'm going to give them to you right here. Because Jesus wants his opponent's heart as well. And so he begins by making this appeal. He says, Hey, first, you do this very thing, Jesus says. You do this very thing, verse 15. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey? From the manger and lead it away to the water. Let's keep it a buck, fam. Don't you? On Sabbath, take care of your ox and donkey. When they thirsty and they about to die, you permit yourselves to do that, right? Not that Jesus thinks that it's a bad idea or something to do that. Hey friends, if you have a dog that needs water, he's about to die. Is Jesus going to be mad at you for giving some water to your dog who's about to die on Sabbath? It's self-explanatory, right? Uh, It's pretty clear. What a great way to uh, speak to their heart in this moment, Jesus does. He's not condemning them for their action, for caring for their donkey, but instead is condemning their double standard, unwilling to live that way themselves. Because their donkey could quite literally die if uncared for. Friends, this is scary. They had learned the law, but the meaning had not sunk in. Always seen, never perceiving. They did not take into account the full counsel of the law and the prophets. Or they would have known that a fast in the Sabbath connected to loving vulnerable neighbors is not only acceptable, but in line with the movement of the kingdom. They would have seen in Isaiah 58, verses 13 through 14, of which, in context of Isaiah 58, God is calling Israel to return to the greater matters of the law-keeping. Their fast and their piety was being drowned out by their hypocrisy and injustice. There is a fast that one should choose That keeps in line with the heart of the law. And there is a Sabbath keeping that does so as well. Let's look at Isaiah 58. And see what it says about the Sabbath in light of what I'm saying. On your screen it should come up. Verse 13. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath. From doing your pleasure on my holy day. And call the Sabbath a delight. And the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking oddly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Friends, there is actually nothing in Isaiah 58, 13-14 about hating about God hating the caring of neighbor on the Sabbath. Actually, what the Lord seems to be more concerned with is hypocrisy, saying you are keeping the law only to mask the fact that you want to do what you want to do, seeking your own pleasure and not delighting in God. So Jesus confronts them in this way. Will you do Sabbath according to my Ways and not the man made ways that you decided, which is typically sinful and hypocritical. That's his first way of appealing. His second is like it you care about your own donkey. Should you not care about this woman on the Sabbath? And she is not just any old woman. But a tormented woman. One who hasn't rested in years. And not just a tormented woman, but a daughter of Abraham. The term daughter of Abraham was a term that was pointing to the fact that she was a woman of their people, a Jewess. But it could have meant more. Jesus could have been dropping a hint that her very presence right now in this moment was so that they could see her not just as a Jew in lineage, but also an ideal or a symbol. The New Testament scholar Walter L. Leafield, in his exegetical commentary, puts it like this. The phrase, daughter of Abraham does not simply point to the ancestry of the woman. It points to a person who represents the ideal of Israel, as the Jewish mother of the seven martyrs did in 4 Maccabee 15, 28-32, which Maccabee, the book of Maccabees, are extra-biblical books, not a part of our canon, meaning it's not authoritative, but sometimes can be helpful for thinking of historical events or context. In fact, he goes on to continue. One of the sayings in 4 Maccabee, Leland, points out is specifically using the phrase daughter of God-fearing Abraham to explain Israel, God's people. And this could be what Jesus is alluding to here, some scholars think. But some scholars don't think that. Now, how would this idyllic symbol, this woman, right here in Maccabees, equate to this woman? Let me give you a couple of thoughts, and then we'll move on to the main thing. But I want you to hear this, because this is really interesting and thought-provoking. Here, right in front of them, is the hope of renewal they long to see as a nation, Right in front of them was them, their spiritual need embodied, and their healing was the hope they all longed for. She held on to hope, sitting in the synagogue until the Lord showed up and overthrew her enemy, Satan. The Maccabean revolt didn't lead to the final freedom they longed for. They were still under the occupation of Rome at the moment. But here comes Jesus, the Lord of rest, ushering in the very kingdom of Sabbath rest they longed for, but not in the way they thought it would come. And some see it, and some don't, due to their hypocrisy. But whether you agree with that or not, the main point is this. This woman is someone who ought to be more dear to them than their own donkey. And her healing should be more significant to them than the the taking care of that donkey or ox. It was at least like if your very own sister were in her place for 18 years. And then all of a sudden she gets healed and you start going, but the Sabbath, no way, how dare you on the Sabbath? Could you imagine that? How could
0: they not see
1: When Jesus does this, it should have filled his heart with delight. When you see the miracle of her being freed of her infirmity and bondage, it should have filled his heart with joy. No matter if it comes on the day you shouldn't work or not. Church family, we're about to get real. Don't, don't be found criticizing someone else's movement when they are bringing healing to others on the Sabbath, the day of rest. Sure, we all need rest. But don't become the rest police, because you done found some emotional intelligence stuff after the pandemic. Uh Uh-oh. Don't you start judging now. You might find yourself on the wrong side, because your motives might be mixed up in that. Maybe you are anxious. We're going to get real deep about your own lack of maturity. So you project that on others. They are maybe moving a certain way that seems like a little much. So you got to correct them. But really, you're just worried you can't keep up. And it's starting to make you look like weak sauce to the Lord. At least in your eyes, that's what you think. My friends, don't compare yourself to the next person. Run your race. Handle your assignment. But also let them run their race as well. Especially with the Sabbath rest thing. And I'm all for accountability. But once you are kind of like free and content in this rest thing, pull the log out of your own eye first and then go to your brother and sister in Christ and pull that log out of your brother and sister in Christ's eye. But get yourself right first. My friends, I think we've been lied to a lot. Health is wealth. Take care of yourself. Self-manage. Friends, ain't nothing in scripture about that. The Bible actually talks more about dying to yourself. And you will find resurrection life. Now again, resting is good. But don't let it go too far. Especially if you see someone on the side. And God calls you on the Sabbath day. To lay a healing hand on this person. Don't you feel like you're doing something wrong, church? Exactly what Jesus did. And if somebody else has a problem with it, tell them to come see me and I'm going to point them straight to this verse. Which takes me to kind of, I'm going to finish up here in a second, but It takes me to the two responses to Jesus in this text. The two responses are telling. They're actually shocking, maybe even scandalous. Hypocrisy is dangerous, fam. But what is worse is an unrepentant heart. Verse 17 says, as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoice at the glorious things that were done by him. On one side, there are people who are celebrating, dancing up and down the glorious things that Jesus did. Funny, funnily enough, it's probably the average Joes who are doing these things, not the spiritual elite. Unfortunately, the leaders leave feeling ashamed. The most spiritual ones who are supposed to know God the best are unrepentant and ashamed. The people, at least here, are unashamedly rejoicing and glorifying God. There's a few lessons in this. But the main thing is that it's not enough to leave ashamed at the wisdom of God. Jesus clearly aired out their dirty laundry For everybody to see. But surely, if they just repented, they would have received the kingdom of God. If you find yourself opposing God, and his correction comes your way, the gospel message of good news says the correct response is repentance. Not wallowing in shame like this ruler and his crew, but repentance. Turning from your prideful ways and receiving the healing like all tormented souls can have through Jesus. He has grace for the blind and the humble. But God opposes the proud. See, pride won't let you see what you ought to see. My question is, do you see Do you see, if not, your duty is not to walk out those doors today still wallowing in shame, confronted by your sin. But to come to Jesus today who wants to receive you into his kingdom, even if he is challenging you to leave your wicked ways. While we were enemies of him. Christ, die for us. The question is, will you respond like the woman and come to Jesus, or will you leave like the man? That is your question today. Furthermore, in my conclusion, I asked in the beginning this question, do you see the woman? Do you see her? Church family, do you see her? But I ask you now, what is she saying? Did you hear her testimony? She is saying, Jesus is God. She is pointing to Jesus, the Lord of rest. As Augustine of Hippo noted, both her condition and her healing function like a visible word. For in her painful Earthly orientation. She is a physical sign for the spiritual condition of all humanity outside of Christ. What does that mean? She is a sign, church family, that God will one day give rest to all who receive the kingdom by faith. And they're proved to be the children of Abraham. She is a forerunner to all those who will come after her and receive the true Sabbath rest. She is saying that God has grace for all. If I can be healed in Christ, she says, you can be too. Let go of your pride, she says. Let go of your ways, she says. Let go of worshiping God in the way that you want to receive him. The box that you put him in. Trust in nothing else but God. Come to Jesus, Lord of Sabbath, because Jesus has come for you. When Jesus saw her, he did something about it. He came to her. She did not run up on him. He stretched out and touched her. My friends, that is the gospel. For those who long for Sabbath rest, it is here and available to you in Christ. And he came to you first. And for those who have received a foretaste of what Sabbath is, as we await Jesus' return to give us the full version of Sabbath rest, we can rest assured that the Lord of Sabbath rest is going to provide the rest we have been waiting for. Isn't that good news, church? Do you see? Do you see? Do you see this woman? What is she saying? I hope you see. And I hope you see Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you so much that you give rest. There's so many people in here that are very tired. And I know that all of them would have gave up, me included, if it wasn't for you, Jesus. I know there's people in here today who need your rest. Father, I pray they would cling to you. Even if it's crazy right now, I pray they would cling to you and receive the rest now, and the hope of Sabbath rest that is to come. And Lord, I pray that that hope would sustain us as a church, Lord. That we would know, without a shadow of a doubt, that you have given us, Lord, final rest in Jesus. And one day we will achieve it, we will attain it, and you will give it, Lord. And Father, that we would we would walk right into it when we finish our days, enduring to the very end. Lord, I love you. I praise all in Jesus' precious name. Mm-hmm. Amen.